0: I normally have an intro for the show where I say it's something like, the podcast that's illegal in Belgium. But I forgot. Joining me tonight, we have Mr. Dave Convery, a man stood in front of you with one card that says Jeff the Talking Mongoose and another that says Furries and who is gesticulating enthusiastically and, might I say, inappropriately.
1: Good evening. It's lovely to be here.
0: Yes. I am Roger Hart, who is uh, available in stereo sound but regrettably only mono-aroma. And we are also joined by H.J. Doom, a token that's been badly funged by a number of careless owners.
2: Evening, Squire.
0: Hello. On our fixing journey this evening, we have, as you may recall, a question. And should you have a question, why not write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or on our little website thingy where there's a box to type in. Where did we leave that, Mr. Combrian?
1: Hauntedphonograph.com A dot com.
0: We must have got in early. We really splashed out. This evening's question concerns food. The subject weight loss. I'm trying to lose some weight, but food is just so damned good, especially the unhealthy stuff. How can I shed some pounds without robbing my life of all tasty sources of joy?
1: How indeed, Mr. Convery. You'll find that there are a lot of fad diets. And um, one particular strain of fad diet that started to appear in the last sort of 10 years are natural diets, diets that say these are how our ancestors ate and you should eat like this if you want to be healthy. They're called things like paleo and caveman and, and, and just eating fucking steak. And they will all tell you that if you eat like our ancestors did, that is the key to a long and healthy life. Now, there are a couple of issues that I would like to bring up with this. Issue one I am not an archaeologist, I want to state that up front, but I am pretty fucking sure Neanderthal man did not have as ready access to cauliflower rice as these people would have you believe. Number two, back in the day, people lived to around the age of 37, this was the 1950s. Number three, Carbohydrates are delicious. And number four, probably the most important one, you are not a finely honed tribal warrior, Brian. You are a web developer with a garage full of fuel and an inferiority complex that spending a lot of time on gains Reddit is not helping with. With all of that said, they are not completely wrong. Um, Without going all evolutionary psychology on you because that is also mostly bullshit. People do seem to prefer foods that have highly available sugars, salt, and fat, all the stuff that's really sort of hard to come by uh, in nature Uh, and the stuff that, for the most part, your body can store up for leaner time. Sugar and fats can both be converted into fat that's stored down for, for when you are low on calories. But basically, Our bodies never really learned to cope with the caloric abundance that we live with now. So when you get the good stuff, the things that have the sugar and the fat and all the stuff, your body really thinks, oh, fuck, yes, this is good, keeping that for winter. You get a big old squirt of dopamine right into your brain pan. And that makes you feel good. And it makes you more likely to eat like that again. And realistically, it's also pushing your caloric intake above your energy use, which sends signals to your body to lay down fat because you need that for winter for when you're running away from... I want to say, badly animated plasticine mammoths. So while there is some bullshit floating around out there, we can sort of take a little peek back in time, look about the environment we're involved in, and see if there's anything that we can learn from it. And wouldn't you know it, there is. You've probably guessed this ahead of me, but that's right, you're going to move to the woods and become a persistence hunter you're going to take your horrifying hairless ape body, optimized as it is for marathons rather than sprints with all of its sweat glands and fat burning metabolism, and over a period of 24 to 36 hours at a time, you are going to stalk and murder an antelope or other locally available ungulate. But Dave, you might say, this is quite a drastic change in lifestyle for me. I hardly murder any antelope at all right now. I don't think I can step up to murdering three or four a week. Well, that's the other bit of good news. Several days of starvation at a time were not uncommon in the good old days either. Now, I'm not saying that on the, let's call them off days, you can't eat anything, but if you do, I am saying that you should probably find it under a hedge. So there we have it. One small, simple lifestyle adjustment that provides you with everything you need to live healthily and well. Fresh air, lean meat, exercise It's all out there waiting for you in the woods.
2: Splendid. We should probably add a small safety warning that should you see any cabins in the woods while you're out hunting antelope, you should probably stay away in case you get murdered.
1: Yeah, don't read any of the available literature in those places. And
0: how about you, Mr Hart? That was weird. I'm
2: talking to myself. Did we ever establish that character relationship? I think it's one of those things we don't like to think about.
1: We like to we like to let people out there have their own head cannon. I feel a little unsettled, actually.
2: Yeah. Oh if we explicitly
1: say there's there's only one of you, then a lot of Tumblr artists have got it badly wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that'll that'll deplete the bank. Anyway, <clears throat> I had this whole bit worked out for this one. Classic joke structure, start with a breakdown of daily nutritional needs and work up to how you can get them all from different types of booze. It was, you know, funny in my head. Thing is, I've, um, and this one might be a bit long, you know. forgive me, I've had a pretty complicated relationship with food. I love it. I cook for fun. I have a food blog. Um, Might even put a link in the show notes because I'm a narcissist. Food is, as you say, so damn good. I also didn't really eat any of it for 18 months or so at the arse end of the 90s. I I dropped three waist sizes. It was horrible. Almost worse was people telling me how impressed they were, how well I was doing. In the world of eating disorders, the fat teenage boy is not the model or victim. victim. Um, you know, boohoo, poor me, whatevs. <laughs> 1999 was a long time ago, and me and food have found a way to get along since. But it's always there at the back of the mind, those two impulses, the you know, roiling self-loathing, and the knowledge that in the purest, most reductive and pathological terms, starving myself actually worked. So as you can imagine, I have opinions about dieting. Um, Broadly, they amount to do not starve yourself. Um, I would venture perhaps a little further, perhaps a bit more controversially, to do not diet. You can't see my air quotes there or my sneer because it's a podcast, but like, trust me, they were salty. Um, Most most diets are disordered eating dressed up in a book jacket. They're a mess. Is that a bit much, maybe? There are diets out there that are basically the advice I'm about to give you, actually, wrapped up in some fluff that'll make you feel better about it, but please beware any that seem faddish or promise to be transformative. Um, and if you do lose weight quickly, also be aware, similar to a lot of the stuff Mr. Conrad just outlined about kind of fat storage and dopamine and various complicated bodily responses, that as soon as you stop calorie restriction, your body will slap the weight back on again with fucking gusto. Goodness, look! I don't. I don't want to tell you that the premise of your question is wrong, um, or that you can be healthy, happy, beautiful, or insert aspiration here, at any size or bodily topology. Those things are true, um, but they are trite, and regardless, they are not what you've asked for. Maybe maybe you're here because modern mass media capitalism is a saturation eating disorder campaign. Maybe you actually have specific manageable health goals. Maybe just like half a size ago, your ass looked fucking awesome in those jeans, and you kind of miss it, and that's fine. Who knows? I'm going to assume this is all good faith, but we do need to acknowledge that um, you know on the way in that any weight loss regimen severe enough to make a rapid difference will be temporary, pathological, or both, because real weight loss is horribly, horribly boring when it's healthy. And it's terribly, terribly subjective. A Funky little sidebar, there's a really neat book about diets and food myths and sort of health perceptions by this guy called um, Tim Spector. He's a professor of something or other. Um, it's called Spoonfed, and it's a fun, accessible read that kind of gallops along busting popular food myths. Sort of reminds me of Jay Rayner's book, um, Greedy Man and Hungry World, which is about food economics. And in the same way, um, they uh, the core thesis is, Actually, it's more complicated than that. With a little side helping of, and think about who benefits from you believing the bullshit. The most depressing section in it is on calorie counting. A dude spends like a day in a magic box having his poop measured to determine his exact calorie consumption. And broadly speaking, uh, not only are calorie labels hugely divergent in their accuracy, and you know that's before we even get into portion self-estimation. Calorie extraction from different foods varies wildly across individual humans. You might burn 2,000 in an average day. Your mate, Elspeth, 500 more. Our bodies are a fucking mess. Averages are not helpful on a personal level. Calorie counting is at best a squint and hope. Um, But the headline still holds. The boring truism that eating less and exercising more kind of helps. Just not in the way where these days if you try and see a doctor with a visibly broken leg, you know, bone poking out of your trousers, the GP will yell at you, Too many miles, bars, eh? 50 laps, fatso, before moving on to hect you about mindfulness. We've, uh, we've kind of fucked public health. Anyway, if you, um, if you want to lose a little weight without removing all the joy of food from your life or, you know, going nuts, then as far as I can tell from personal experience and a little bit of reading, there aren't any magic shortcuts. You need to eat a little bit less, in a non-pathological way that doesn't startle your metabolism. Um, Maybe exercise a little more, but you can't really magic away the calories with cardio, not completely. A half hour run might burn say 400 of them, flawed flawed measures though calories be. But you know we're talking healthy, manageable behaviour change here, could you do that most days? Without eating more to cover the fact that it'll make you hungry as fuck? Could you do it on a rainy winter Thursday? Good for you if you can. I can't, Um, and even then, you know, what's that? Half a cheeseburger and not even with fries. Mm. Honestly, this is this is all I've got for you. Set manageable goals and don't beat yourself up. Eat a little less all round. Exercise a little more if you can. If personally, um, I actually do a little bit, you find grand gestures more psychologically sustainable than, you know, hard work, then declare war on snacks or decide you're only drinking at weekends. I don't fucking know. Like, make a non pathological grand gesture. Does this sound dull and glib? Good. There aren't any miracle cures. It's very, very boring, and that's okay. I do have some shortcuts because this is an advice podcast, and, you know, you're here for something so um here's here's like a couple of little dieting things that aren't absolute bullshit i think um so long as you approach them with measured expectations Um, balance your meals away from carbs carbs are delicious but they can be the bit player not the star you don't have to lean in hard um although you know that presupposes you have money and that you're not irish or from yorkshire avoid heavily processed foods not in a hand-wavy fucking food journalist nonsense way. There actually, there actually is a technical definition of ultra-processed foods. I found that out a couple of years ago. Anyway, um, a lot of highly processed foods can be tasty, but there is a tendency for manufacturers to pack in sugars and the kinds of sugars that have the whole unsatisfying short-term fullness, long-term, not-that-good-for-you thing. There's too much salt, yada, yada, yada. Generally speaking, steer clear for super, some super-processed things. If you can, if you can afford it, etc. etc. We've got a huge societal problem around the cost of available calories that I do not have the time or scope to get into. Um, If you're exercising, consider strength training as well as cardio. It's good for you. It's much less boring. It can be fun. Lean tissue uses exercise a bit more efficiently than less lean tissue. Um, The downside is that it will make you more hungry, so you've got a little bit of a balancing act. Personally, you know, I like my body with a little bit of tone under the fat. Um, It helps with the narcissism. So I find strength training useful. Like, I'll never look like an underwear model, but I've gone from moobs to pecs, and that's progress. Um, Less booze. I struggle. You might not. Good for you. Uh, intermittent fasting. This one's a bit more controversial, but actually um, there's a reasonable corpus of evidence for it. I don't mean going days without food. I mean spacing out your calorie intake. Some people do 5-2. That's the whole thing where you do five days of eating normally and two days of heavy calorie restriction, like 700 or something. They claim it's not insane. I think it's weird. But um, what I do and what a lot of people do is Manage their calorie intake into something like a six to eight hour window. I don't do this on purpose. I do it because when I had that eating disorder, the first thing I did was shed breakfast because it was easy to hide missing that meal. Not saying that part was healthy, but I've stuck with it. I haven't really eaten breakfast since about 1998. Um, eating primarily in a six to eight hour window gives you a bunch of sort of natural circadian rhythm aligned calorie constriction that does a whole bunch of body chemistry stuff that might help a little bit with weight reduction without you actually going crazy then again breakfast is great oh, fucking bagels could proper go a bagel
1: anyway yeah my work for you. i've seen you eat breakfast but i haven't seen you eat breakfast when you've not been quite pronouncedly on the lash true yes breakfast is is for being hungover in a hotel
0: uh, but yeah that's that's it i'm sorry like it's earnest it's boring it's maybe sensible i said some things about breakfast Try not to starve yourself. Eat the food you like, just a little bit less of it. Be kind to yourself, and, like, maybe if it works, skip breakfast. And, uh, I've just had this in on the wire. A a telegram from absent fixer, Ms. Clary Maguire, just saying, cocaine, question mark.
2: Cheers, Clary. Thank you. And now, H.J. Doom. So, there is an old saying that nothing tastes as good as being thin feels, and I can only assume that the sort of people who say that don't actually eat. Food is clearly delicious, and the urge to cram as much salt, fat, sugar, carbs, and protein into our faces is is deeply hardwired into the very fabric of us. If some roughage and the odd vitamin tags along for the ride, well, I consider that a happy accident. All of which is to say that losing weight by eating less food is both hard and fucking miserable. The other obvious alternative is to increase your exercise rate to the point that your calories out are somehow bigger than the massive pile of steak, cheese and roast potatoes we all like to have as a little snack between proper feeds. For that to work, for the average human in the Western world, you'd have to replace sleep almost entirely with running. And you'd also have to live in a media landscape that wasn't sapping your will to get out of bed and take a shower, never mind putting in 10k before breakfast. So we need an alternative solution. Happily, there's always drugs. Heroin is a highly effective appetite suppressant, as indeed is cocaine. Thanks, Clary. Unfortunately, it's also pretty good at sedating other things, like your ability to do anything except take heroin and score heroin. And honestly, what's the point in drugging yourself thin if you aren't in a position to lord it over every rotund person you ever encounter? You want to be able to see Elizabeth Windsor on TV and think, that fat bitch has really let herself go over the last 70 years, and you can't do that if you're wanking sailors off for pennies in an underpass, can you? Nicotine and caffeine are also effective appetite suppressants but statistically you're already addicted, chronically addicted to caffeine which is a drug solely designed to help you function at work and feel tired and jittery on your own time. So that's really not going to help either. Um, There is, however, a selection of certain mind-altering chemicals that can help you lose weight and which are completely legal freely available in massive quantities almost everywhere. I'm talking about adrenaline and cortisol. What we're going to do is stress you thin. One of the most common side effects of extreme stress is that your digestive system starts to shut down, causing you to process less and less of the food you take in. You will shit those excess pounds away in a faintly horrifying fashion, but If you want to keep thinking of cheese and bacon as condiments, sacrifices will have to be made. Mere run-of-the-mill stress, that's not going to be enough. Almost everyone is enjoying a period of chronic stress between the looming prospect of World War 3, Covid apparently being a thing forever now, and the highest elected office in the land being occupied by an unusually hairy pork-scratching sat atop three drunken toddlers in a bad suit, doom scrolling through social media for your usual four to five hours, that's not going to cut it. To really ruin your digestion, you're going to need to think bigger. Much bigger. The most stressful thing in the world is the loss of a romantic partner. There's two problems with this. One is that beating the person you love most in the world to death with a hammer is illegal. The second is that once the shitting panic wears off, you're left in the difficult position of trying to find someone else to fall in love with, whilst at the same time having a reputation of being, you know, someone who murders their loved ones with a hammer. You might manage to, but by the third bludgeoning, people are going to be able to spot a pattern emerging, thus cutting you off from the sweet, sweet stress you need. Fortunately, the second most stressful thing is much easier to repeat. I'm talking, of course, about moving house. I live with my loved one who I haven't killed with a hammer in a house that is very small and we quite like to live somewhere bigger, but I'm more inclined to make it feel bigger by cutting my arms and legs off than I am to go through the hell of dealing with estate agents. What you need to do, if you have aspirations to thinness is to move house continually. As soon as you've got everything unpacked, you must unpack everything, you need to be jumping on right move and scaping out properties in or ideally slightly outside your price range. The process is so monumentally awful that you will be shitting the calories out faster than you can stuff them into your face. You might think you'll get used to it, but the joy of moving house is there's a thousand different ways for it to go wrong and the more experienced you get, the more aware you'll be of all the different pitfalls. If you're going from rental to rental, you get the added bonus of trying to extract your deposit from the last asshole at exactly the same time as trying to drum up the deposit for the next asshole. Plus, by the time you spent less than two months in a series of properties, your references are going to be in the toilet, along with basically everything you eat. I mean, that always happens, but this time it's going to be happening at fucking speed. That's going to suck, and that's more free stress right there. Added to which, you've now got the lifestyle-related stress of trying to go about your business while ensuring that you're never more than 10 metres from a toilet, in case you suddenly need to void yourself without warning. A thing that will happen at irregular and surprising intervals throughout every day that you're alive. You'll probably die of a chronic heart failure within 3-5 to years, but you'll be able to eat as many kebabs as you like. Fuck it. Have one for breakfast. Chilli sauce can only add to the excitement of your new and highly defecation-focused lifestyle. I think we can call that problem solved.
0: Well, if that isn't a definitive fix, I don't know what is. And if you've been affected by any of the issues in today's episode, why not write to us about them? We could. Use that, you know, recycle the material. It's fine, we'll call it a question. No one's counting. <laughs> Write to us at we Will Fix you Show at gmail.com or on the little website Mr. Convery mentioned at hauntedphonograph.com. Ta-ta. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.